everyone, and welcome to The Hop Show, brought to you by Hopped LA. My name is Hobby. I will be your host, as I always am. Uh, you can find me online on Instagram at Hobby Brews, and of course, on Twitter as at that beaner to find the coldest takes uh, on most things and a lot of professional wrestling. Um, you know, uh, we have a very exciting episode for this week, uh, but before I get into that, I have, to, I have to address just the giant brontosaurus in the room, right? For those of you that maybe haven't been paying attention online, um, Brienne Allen uh, on Instagram, at Rat Magnet. Uh, she's a brewer, I believe, over at Notch Brewing. Um, last week, she posted a simple uh, question sticker on Instagram, whatever those are called, and asked a simple question, you know, does anyone have any horror stories? And, you know, she posts one and then posts another. And then post another and another and another until eventually a giant tsunami of just so many stories involving all kinds of inappropriate behavior from racism, misogyny, um, sexual assault. And there was just so many. And as of today, it's continued to grow more and more with this giant movement evolving from it. And it's long overdue. So I wanted to address that in a way and uh, say, of course, thank you to Brienne for taking this enormous burden because I can't imagine having to sift through all of that darkness, you know, and it's something that makes me sad because, you know, what drew me into craft beer, like it draws a lot of people is that old saying, right? Uh, There's only like what? one person or two percent that are assholes and the rest are amazing people and unfortunately that um aura that drawing force that brought us into craft beer has been shattered and i think the toughest thing for me personally is that this is something that we've all known you know it's it's not it shouldn't be a shock When you're partying with people, people that, you know, because let's face it, they're, hmm. I guess all I can say is the craft beer industry has a lot of inward thinking that we have to do because this is unacceptable. Um, you know, it's one thing to be flirty and drinking, but it's another to be passing boundaries that one shouldn't be passing. Um, and you'll never know what kind of what your actions can do that can hurt somebody and really emotionally scar them. And I think that's the toughest pill to swallow about this whole thing is that idea or that thought that, you know, craft, craft beer is, is almost like perfect community is now shattered. And some of the seedy underbelly of craft beer has been brought to the surface, brought to the light. And it's something that I think needed to be brought to the light because it's it's just unacceptable and we as a whole can do better and i was listening earlier to um the podcast that the full pine did which if you haven't checked that out please go to their feed and check out their latest episode uh danny uh full pine sits down with franny full pine and they really they have a nice long hour conversation where they really try and kind of they don't have the answers but I think it's a good direction to get some conversation going because, folks, we are in for some really hard conversations 
about a lot of things that this industry needs work on. And I welcome it. Um, something that we posted today on Hop Delay that I really liked was Hop Delay posted. We posted a, a you know comment today. Hop Delay is and always will be a supporter of equality and, and an ally to women and minorities in craft beer and a voice for the craft beer community. And that resonates with me because that's what this is about. It's community. And even though this is one of this is not craft beer's finest hour. I still hold hope that we can get better from this. It, it can get better from here. And I thank not only Brienne for sifting through these stories, but all the brave women that have come forward because it is a brave thing to put that online, put that online in the public sphere like that. Um, and I think that this is something that needed to happen. And I hope that we take this and we grow, um, you know, because a lot of for a lot of these women, this is something that's traumatized them, scared them, made them uncomfortable. And, and you know, this is their industry, too. This is all of our industry. And the fact that so many talented people, women, uh, minorities, um, so many uh, trans as well. I mean, and the gay community. Uh, so many talented, talented people are living in fear or just bummed out because just how shitty this industry can be. And I understand that this this is the darkest, one of our darkest hours. But I do believe that there is light at the end of the tunnel. I do have faith that we could do better. So, um, in closing, I guess the most I can say is, folks, be, be kind to each other. Be more mindful of your actions because what you do can seriously affect somebody else. I hope I didn't go rambling too long, but I just wanted to say something about it. And once again, I thank Brian Allen for bringing this conversation to the, to the forefront. Um, all those brave women that came forward. If you have the time, there's some great articles written uh, by Beth Demon. Uh, she wrote an article, I think it's for Vine Pair, it should be on her Instagram. She has one of those Linktree gimmicks, so look it up there. Uh, there's a lot of content, a lot of stuff to digest, and I just hope that um, we grow from this, because we can do better, and I sincerely hope that we do. Um, and then one more thing before we get to this next episode is I want to dedicate this uh, show to uh, my one of my best friends, Ryan uh, D. Uh, one of my good friends, he passed away uh, a week or so ago and it's it's been really rough. So I just wanted to dedicate this show to him. Um, and uh, make sure to, you know, hug your friends because shit happens. And you don't want to be left with that regret, not saying what you need to say, you know? So hug your friends, tell them you fucking love them, because life is too short to give a shit. So, all right, with that said, um, enjoy my interview with Carissa Hernandez uh, from Nativo. Uh, she owns Chelas. Um, I hope that it brings a little bit of positivity for your life. I know it did for me. So, um, 
Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the show, everybody. My name is Javi. This is The Hop Show, brought to you by Hopped, Hop, Top, 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 LA. Whoop, whoop, whoop. And today, man, it's been a crazy year. We can all agree, year and a half, however long it's been. Who knows? The days run together, right? And this is the first live interview I have done in a long time, and I couldn't have picked a better guest, ladies and gentlemen, Carissa Hernandez. Carissa, uh, how are you? Thank you, Javier. I'm doing great. I'm really grateful to be here with you. Thank you for thinking of me. Oh, of and, course. Um, I'm really excited to be your first live interview <laughs> um, after this wild year. Yeah, it's been a wild year. And you know what? We picked a beautiful spot here in Nativo in Highland Park. Um, is it the officials at Nativo or is it Nativo HLP? What do you, what do you? I usually just call it Nativo, but yeah, everything else says Nativo HLP for yeah. Highland Park. Yeah. yeah, that was important for Gabe to have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really crazy because uh, I can't describe to you guys, but it's kind of surreal when you, when you see the front of the building, uh, for those of you that are Highland Park that have been around for a while, it used to be an older bar, right? Mm -hmm. It was an yeah. old bar and I would have never thought that all this beautiful uh, patio was back <laughs> here and you guys just did this magic. You know, it was just kind of like the silver lining of pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, we had, you know, everyone asked us like, why would you open anything during pandemic? But the reality is we started the purchasing in November 2019 before mm -hmm. we even knew anything was going to happen. And so long story short, we're in the process of building out the interior when we realized, well, no one's going to be inside for a long time. Right. Uh, let's focus on that parking lot behind us. And so Gabriel who's my husband and business partner, just started, like, we got the vision and started building this out. So this was all an old um, parking lot, mm -hmm. and we've turned it into an enchanted garden. It really <laughs> is, though. Like, I expect this to be on some on one of those home development shows or one of those, like, restaurant yeah, shows, like, yeah. the transformation, like, wow, this is all new. <laughs> Uh, it's really beautiful back here. Um, and But before we get into the show, we have uh, some, um, is it mezcal? Is that yes, what this is? Yes, it's mezcal. This is from uh, Shikaru Mezcal. It's called Pechuga, and it's used for special occasions. So I thought it was appropriate for us to drink. Cheers. Salud. <sighs> that Yum. is lovely. Yeah. Now, let's talk about your history. Um you own a few businesses out here, Nativo being one. Uh, we talked about Chelas earlier. Um, what other places do you own? I feel like you own like 10 of them. No, it feels like <laughs> it sometimes. No, um, I actually uh, started our career with a financial firm that has nothing to do with um, beer or wine or tequila. Mm -hmm. um, and that's Legacy Full Circle. From there, we opened a retail bottle shop in Eagle Rock, which was our first beginnings into the craft beer world. And so we opened and operated that for five years. Uh, we opened Empire Tavern in Burbank, Chela's in Boyle Heights, mm -hmm. and this is our newest baby, Nativo. And um, we're crazy. We're already thinking about future Oh, my projects. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Did the other spots get a little jealous of Nativo over all the love you guys give them? Like, you know, how come, how, come, how come Nativo gets all the good shit, you know? <laughs> no, you know what? Chelas is beautiful, too. It's just it's just limited in space. But I, I love 
my baby Chelas. That's that's <laughs> my jam right there. <laughs> well, that, that, well, that's that's how I initially heard about uh, heard about you and heard about this empire that you're building was through Chelas. I have a bunch of friends that uh, go there. You guys have uh, DJ nights that you yes. guys do. That I remember. I would kind of check out. You know, you'd go on Instagram and all of a sudden someone's oh someone's live for Chelas. Oh, yeah. I wonder what they're doing. <laughs> and it's some DJ playing like a remix. Fucking saca la bolsita. Dun, 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 dun. And I'm like, oh shit. Because I rarely ever, you know, you watch like an Instagram live thing and you watch like a minute and then you kind of log off, oh, yeah. right? But there were nights where I would just like, you know, I'm hanging out it's so and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to leave this on. I'm going I'm to let it run. So entertaining. I swear, <laughs> never a dull moment at Chelas. <laughs> now, was that something like, because uh, when I speak to you, you're very, you're very old, you're very Latina, you have that fire. Was that something that kind of what you wanted to come in, what energy you wanted to bring in when you opened your first spot? You know, um, I'm glad you asked that because it's really interesting the evolution that, you know, Gabe and I have gone through as bar owners. The first spot, we were new to this. Uh, we were just kind of like, well, this seems to work at other places. So I felt like we were duplicating what we thought would work. Mm -hmm. um, but as we grew as uh, business professionals, bar owners, we started becoming very comfortable and understanding the importance of, you know, representation matters and who's really speaking to this demographic, especially in Los Angeles, mm -hmm. that is highly comprised of Latinx, you know, women and men, of course. And so we decided to move into a space uh, like Boyle Heights because not only is it very heavily danced in Latinx population, but I have deep roots there. You know, my family's first home in the United States was Boyle Heights. So forever I was like, it would be really cool to pay homage to Boyle Heights for giving us a platform. Right. And so uh, when we did get the opportunity, it was like, let's do this. It's going to be who we are. Mm -hmm. We're going to validate the community and we're going to pay it back as a thank you, not only to Boyle Heights, but to Guanajuato, which is where my family's from. So we were going back and forth to Guanajuato to see what is the bar scene like out there, bring some of those elements and also pull in a lot of the urban art element of Boyle Heights because I felt it's spoke to the experience mm -hmm. of someone who's Latinx in the United States and especially in Boyle Heights. So we went hard. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever get like any sort of, not necessarily pushback, but did you ever kind of get like looks? Cause you're, you're coming with this new attitude that not many people like this whole Latinx community. I mean, that's an untapped market and I still believe it is. There's still so much growth oh, there. Definitely. Was that something that like, I mean, you said earlier that you noticed that you, you wanted to pay homage to it. Was that something that, like, did you ever get any kind of pushback or any kind of weird looks like, well, that's not going to fly? Uh, well, you know, uh, one thing that we have to be sensitive to is the community, right? And making sure that the community always feels involved because mm -hmm. the reality is that as a Latinx community, we face a lot of struggle in our history here in Los Angeles and Boyle Heights being the birthplace of a Chicano Chicana movement. Right. Uh, we wanted to make sure that the community knew that we had good intentions. So when it comes to gentrification, it was important for us to have the community know that we are not, you know, in alignment with anything that would cause harm or um, build anything that wasn't for them. And right. so we we made sure we reached out to all the nonprofits that we've had personal connections with and asked for their blessing, um, spoke with community leaders. They all knew exactly what our intentions were. And that's what we have been and continue to be is just a neighborhood community hub for people mm -hmm. to come 
have a good time, feel safe and proud of something that they can call their own. So, um, you know, we did get called gentrifiers once or twice, but I think people saw that we had good intentions and that we're good people. So, right. Um, and, and I think what's important that like you made a, a, a point to talk to the city leaders, to talk to the community. And I think it also is important just to have a face. Not It's not just some big conglomerate that's opening the small business to take a part of this, you know, like the gentrification, which is a thing, right? Oh, totally. Um, uh, and I feel like what helps you because when i ever when i saw chelas at first i was the same thing i'm like well who's who runs this who's fucking bar it's it. probably right. you know some shadow you know shadow bunch of uh investors right but then i saw you and i saw that you were pushing at the forefront like being so inclusive with your platform i was just like okay like let's see what's up so like did it take did you get ever so you did get called like gentrifier once or twice it in hurt. your time it stung right you know? just like yeah, fuck you. you don't know you don't know the struggle no but at the same time i respected it you know like having my background in activism i i understand and respect it so mm-hmm. i just needed the community to give me a chance to get to know who we are mm-hmm. and and really put our you know walk the walk not just talk the talk so often we were hosting what we call keg for a cause where we pick a local community organization, throw mm-hmm. a keg on and say, hey, this evening, 100% of the proceeds from this keg are being donated to this organization. So it was a way to show good faith and our active involvement in the local community. Mm-hmm. So we never want to come in and just exploit. Kind of poach, poach yeah, the area. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, that culture runs through even down to the beer we carry. You know, like we have no big brands. Like that's one thing across all our bars. You'll never find a big brand uh, Budweiser Modelo. Nothing like that because we want to support mom and pop craft brew uh, beer breweries, you know. And um, the reason for that is because forever, historically speaking, we have these big brands, multi-billion dollar companies coming into communities that are black or brown, exploiting you know, yeah, and basically telling us what to drink. Exactly. And it's shitty beer yeah. and making money off of us, but never giving back. Right. And instead creating issues that we have to face as a community when it comes to alcoholism and all the bad things that brings. So we want to make course. sure that we were with responsible brands and just raising awareness around, hey, there's a lot of art behind beer and you can respect it and it'll respect you back. And let's have a good time um, while appreciating quality. Yeah. You know? So that's big for us. That's something, you know, I kind of faced that a little bit when I went to Mexico a few years ago and it was when I first started brewing and I, I brought like a little mini suitcase that my parents were really upset about because they were like, pendejo, you know, as my mom is, but but I took this case of beer and I, you know, was sharing it amongst, you know, some of the people, some of the uh I don't want to say locals, but like so like my uncle was there. My uncle was like the, is like the sheriff of that little town. Oh, cool. Uh, it's a town outside. I think it's like two hours out of Guadalajara. It's called Suatlan. Okay. Suatlan. No, really small little been. village. And so I was cool. there hanging out with them. And I was just giving them beers. And we're like, wow, pues a mí me gusta mi modelo. You know, uh-huh. blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah, I understand that. But like that's made by some giant business that's telling you, you like this. So here, drink this. Exactly. And, I, and it's just it's so limiting. Totally. Like, it's sort of what I love about, um, I'm sure you've heard of Tio from Crowns and Hops. Oh, I love Tio. He's a good friend. And he has, yeah, and he has those shirts, you know, black people love beer, brown people love beer. It's like, hey, we don't just like Modelos and Coronas and Micheladas. We do. Don't get us wrong. <laughs> but 
you know, we, we love our Doppelbox too. We like our other styles of beer. And I think that's very living. And it's very, that's, I think that's, when I heard about Chelas and I and I went there and I saw the beer selection you guys had, I was like, wow, this is a breath of fresh air. It's not just, yeah. you know, a bucket of Modelos or a bucket of Coronas. You can get totally. other yeah. types of beer. And, and Chelas, for those of you who don't know, is slang for beer in Spanish, mm-hmm. which is why we chose to name Chelas Chelas. Uh, we changed it up a little bit with an X to keep it aligned with the Latinx culture. Yeah. And then also in Nahuatl language, which is Aztec. The CH doesn't exist. They use the X, which is right. how that Shellas came into play. But there's actually a really cool beer scene happening in Mexico where it's a lot of artisanal craft beer coming up. And it's really come to the forefront right. when you're coming to a lot of these beer bars in Mexico. So uh, that's something we try to carry at Chalas, But um, with the last administration we had, it became very challenging to bring Ugh, in. The last administration. <laughs> that was the best, like, safest way to say it. No, no, it's just... <laughs> they really did, though. It, it was it was like an odd time. I still, like, I think we're still reeling from that. I think we have, like, PTSD. <laughs> I was like, I swear, every morning was like, what am I going to hear next? What yeah, hear every next? day, it's like, oh, my God, what do you tweet now? Or, oh, sweet Jesus, what's happening now? Um, now, uh, when did you realize that you were onto something? Like with Chelas and like when oh you kind God. of... So it was, it was really interesting and, and cool at the same time to see how quickly Chelas evolved into what it's become. Uh, we had always intended it to be this like really chill craft beer bar. Mm-hmm. But the community spoke and they wanted music and they wanted a good time. They wanted house party vibes. And so we saw that reggaeton was what was going to like be on Take off. demand. Yeah. It just, it was a beautiful thing for us to see, like, hey, we created this space that the community filled, and together we created this. You know, it wasn't just Gabe and I. The community stepped in and said, hey, this is, we're taking we like ownership. What you're doing. And, yeah, yeah, and we want, we want cumbias, we want reggaeton, and we want some like uh, cocktails with nostalgic flavors that we grew up with. Mm. And so we created a tamarindo cocktail. We created, uh, you know, an horchata slushy. And so it was just <laughs> having fun with with our culture and, and familiar flavors to our palate, but also being inclusive so that folks who did want to explore and venture into Boyle Heights could find a space that's like celebrating. And safe, I feel like. Very safe. I think that, um, you know, 61% of our followers are female. Mm-hmm. Um, we're huge in the LGBTQ community. We do a lot of events that are collaborative and looking for ways just to stay safe and inclusive because mm-hmm. that's really important to us. Have you ever felt like ever since you started to like right now, like the evolution of your brand? Because now you said uh, you have a lot of women that like like that's how I heard of it was my friend Let- Letty. And I think <laughs> Daniela was going out there and I was like, oh, we're at Chelas. And I was like, damn, that's like a fun fucking place. Um, was that important to you, like to get, like to see that, you know, women were coming in and were like, "This is a fucking cool spot, like a safe space," like you said. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, when we talk about bars historically, they're just always catering to men, um, and that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. But what's happened is that in recent years, women have really taken ownership of their space and are speaking to, "Hey, 
I deserve to have a place where I can have a good time and not be harassed, enjoy my beer and Mm -hmm. have a good conversation with my girlfriends, you know? Um, And so for me, it was about creating a space where our female audience could come in and not feel intimidated by a beer menu um, and not feel intimidated sitting alone at a bar. Mm -hmm. And um, the purchasing power, you know, women right now are controlling 60% of the U.S. wealth. That's those are real statistical numbers. And I know that because I have background in the financial industry. So who's really speaking to us? You know, people want our money, but are they speaking to us? Mm -hmm. Or they're speaking at you more than anything. Yeah, it's speaking at us. You know, for a long time, we were seeing these Carl's Jr. commercials where the girl in the bikini riding a horse is chewing into (laughs) a cheeseburger. And it's like, my mom's like, ka-ching now. It's like, what the hell is that? Like, that's not speaking to me. And instead, it's turning me off. And I don't want to support that. I I want to support something that is women-led and and really cares about what's important to me and what makes me feel validated. So there was a night actually where I I was sitting in my own bar Mm -hmm. and I looked around and I kid you not, it was all women just drinking, having a good time. And I really felt like chills came up my spine like, well, this is amazing. Yeah. This makes me feel so proud that you know, they thought about this place. They're sitting here and they feel good and they're enjoying it mm-hmm. and um, they own it. Yeah. It's a wonderful thing. I, you know, I, I talked to friends that, you know, um, how much things have changed, not only just in, in general, you know, in life in general, but just in the beer industry. Now breweries are more sensitive about, you know, hey, are we going to post that or create this brand new can of beer with a girl with, you know, big boobs on it mm-hmm. and like, you know, the whole slutty thing or like, yeah. they're, they're, you know, it, a lot of that has been dying down, thankfully, because it's not just us, you know, do just <laughs> in our little room like, oh, this this will be kind of funny, you know. It's a it, it's 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 grown and re, and I feel like we're on our way to sort of maturing. Is that something you look into when when you you know go through your beer selection? Like, there's something you like. Can you look for responsible breweries that are that are being inclusive oh, and absolutely. aren't using kind of cheap tricks and marketing Abs- like that? Absolutely. I mean, we're very conscious about the beers and brands that we bring into all of our bars. You know, um, Nativo being the newest one and finally having a full liquor license here. Um, we we made sure that we made a conscious decision that the bar manager that we hired here was aware of sustainable brands, women-owned brands, um, you know, making sure that the brands are responsible even with their employees. So those things all matter to us. And we Mm want to make sure that through every organization, every establishment that we have, that everything is is fair. Right. And, you know, doing their part to create a better world. <laughs> yes, because I, I, I think I think after the four or five years we just had, uh, we need it. We need that positive. Yeah, and I feel like last year counted for like four years in itself. I seriously that aged. That was rough. Like my hairline somehow went back like another it few inches rough. from this last year. Yeah. It's like, because it felt like every, like at what moments were, do you ever have any of those moments where you were like, I don't know, I don't know how we're going to do this. Oh, absolutely. Last year, just in and of itself was um, countless crying in the shower. Like I, just, like I would tell everyone, just cry in the shower. It's like gonna, it'll take care of everything. Um, crying in the cold room works for me. <laughs> Whatever it is, just make sure you do it. Uh, yeah, last year was rough. I feel like um, you know our industry got hit the worst. Right. Um, you know, being one of the, the first to get shut down, and with like 
the insensitivity around how they shut us down. I think we got like four hours notice about, yeah. hey, or even eight hours, whatever it was, it wasn't enough. It was just like, yo, tonight at midnight, you got to shut down. And then it was like, well, what does that mean? Well, don't worry about it. We'll let you know. And, and that's then don't how tell the whole us year shit. Went. That's yeah. how the whole year went. It was just kind of like bomb drops, bomb drops, bomb drops. And, and it was like every single time you'd have to reopen, it was like, starting a business from the ground up again it wasn't just about let's unlock the door and let people in again it's like rehiring and you have to restructure think about how like did we, how the Our way concept changed so much right because you think about all right the, the way things ran before is going to work now because we live in a different world where you know the masks and i mean the world has changed completely i mean we were a nightclub we we're a high volume <laughs> nightclub at chela's and yeah. so overnight becoming a to-go beverage company it was mm -hmm. just kind of like well what what boxes do we order to deliver tacos right or, right like, you know what, what, what container bottles or, yeah. holds uh, alcohol how do you price that and like people pay for the ambiance not the but the community through and through and through showed up every single time and for that i am forever grateful i think that was our motivation and our inspiration throughout the entire year i couldn't we couldn't have done it without right. that and i think that's what's like what's and it's this is something the listeners have heard me rant about it every show it, i think what was so frustrating was that the the our, our government officials our leaders while all this happened just stood by and was like well they'll figure it out there, there was one i won't i won't throw anybody under the bus but a local official I, I'll never forget just like how easily it slid off his tongue and the smirk he had on his face where it was like, well, we hope they're there at the end of this. Right. Uh, referring to bars and restaurants. And I was like, what do you mean you hope? This is people's livelihood. Mm -hmm. A lot of us don't have anything else to fall back on. You right. Know? But this is our lives. Yeah, and, and you know, for me and Gabe, we're children of immigrants. It took generations for us to even get to this mm -hmm. point. It wasn't just work that Gabe and I did. It was generations of work and accumulation of whatever assets we could come up with. We didn't have rich parents or a, a trust fund that we can... Right, right. Oh, no well, one this out, doesn't yeah. work, then... No, this would have destroyed generations of hard work. And so we had to push and push and push. And I know there's a lot of community members in that same situation. So um, I was really disappointed, but I'm glad we all kind of rallied around each other to um, support one another. I think that that was one of the beautiful things that came out of this is just yeah. how much we all came together to say, yo, you good? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, and then you want you want a free meal here. Like I, yeah. I I love that about our industry and beer and food. It's like when the government wasn't taking care of us, we took care of our own. Like you know what? Screw it. Yeah, we're gonna help each other out. There were the you know all those funds for stuff like that. Um, for you personally, like uh, we're gonna shift over to food a little bit. Okay. How important was the food at that moment? Like because you know at that moment people <laughs> have only the food and the and the beer or the or the or the uh, the drinks to sort of now think of you know your spot. Yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, um, I was lucky that Chelas had a restaurant license. We were lucky that Nativo had a restaurant license. Empire Tavern had no restaurant license. So that's been closed still to date since pandemic. Um, but it was now figuring out how do we operate as a restaurant forward um, organization, you know, and teaching our bartenders who had never served before to become, you know, servers. servers. Yep. And... <laughs> 
We're just like, we have to do what? It's so funny because people don't even understand how much went on behind the scenes. Like, right. I mean, we were on Zoom calls like, yo, you, this is what you do. You got to drop utensils in the water. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got to think these guys are like high volume. Like, yeah, they're used to fucking drink, drink, up drink, drink, beer, drink. Beer, michelada. And so now to like, oh, can I take your order? It was it was different for them. But I, I'm just so grateful that my team is full of writer dies, ready to pivot <laughs> at every turn and every variable that was thrown at them right, right. alongside us. And, you know, that that means so much to us. <laughs> uh, but the food, uh, we, we needed to make sure that it was good. First of all, of course, you know, of course. like I. I don't know about I I feel like all last year was a crash course in restaurant business, you know? Oh, I'm man. a bar owner. Yeah. I, I And now you have to, you have to part of that thing we're talking about. You have to pivot cuz everything changes. It was crazy. It was crazy. It was like how do how am I now a restaurant owner? How do I learn restaurant inventory and cost of food and and what yeah. what people want to eat while at the same time keeping my team motivated, keeping my mental health in place. Uh finding funds that supposedly were being given to people, yet we lost 40% of black businesses, 37% of Latinx businesses, yeah. because we weren't getting the funds. Um, so a lot was happening. A lot is happening. <laughs> no, it's still ever changing. It's feel like every other day, it's something different. But um, the food here at Nativo, we reached out to our moms. <laughs> oh, fuck yes. Like, That's the best way. Mom, you know that uh, chile con puerco y carne? Like, oh, sí, sí. I need that recipe. Ah, pues nunca la escribí. Okay, no que acordar, mijo. Mm, like, I asked my mom for something like that. I think I asked for a recipe for her uh, capirotada, I think. I'm like, you know how I'm going to make it. She's like, oh, pues, mijo, okay. I was asked to us, so I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Do you have like it a, a hard part. You have it written down? She's like, oh, totally. no, no, no. Stocky? Okay. Totally. And it, it's it took me a while to get her because you know she'll start going into in, into the ingredients and do that like Latina mom thing. Yeah. Oh well. Oh yeah. Let me tell you this quick story about this and this and this. Like, oh wait, mom, mom, I need I need the recipe. <laughs> oh yeah, the recipe, whatever. Yeah. So it was funny just to see that like uh, see our moms convert these like recipes they have on the top mm-hmm. of their heads into like actual measurements. Like I I think like this, but <laughs> until you figure out the flavor, yeah. yeah. So. That, that's the food. That's how it came about. Have you had them kind of try it out after the fact? Like, here, is this what you think? And you're like, oh, no, was, you know, oh, I'd make it different or no? Um, they haven't been in yet. I uh, think that they're just being very careful with, uh, you know, they're they're older. Pandemic's yeah. still kind of scary for them and yeah. for high volume. But I think they trust that we've we've respected their recipes (laughs) but everyone loves it um at chelas we have an amazing chef chef judith uh she's been running the food program there and uh she does everything from scratch and that's what i try and tell people when you come to chelas you're not getting your run-of-the-mill uh you know divey bar food this woman makes every order from scratch everything and it's amazing it's delicious uh and not just because it's at my own bar i i really love her food it's yeah. so good from handmade tortilla to sirloin steak that she uses. i'm such a sucker sucker for uh homemade tortillas <laughs> and um i don't know about you i th- this would be my next question i don't know about you when i go to a mexican spot my the the main thing i'll try is your carne asada okay if you cannot get your carne asada right i'm not even gonna fucking bother with the rest of your shit <laughs> Cause it's like it's it's a it's a simple like it's simple but not you know what I mean but like if you can if you no, can fuck true. that up 
It's true. I mean, you never want to be like chewing too long on your carne asada. Yeah, yeah. But like, for example, back to Chef Judith uh, at Chela's, it's sirloin steak that she like makes sure is the quality she wants. She slices that, she seasons it, and it's like on point every single time. My favorite item is the asada fries. People are like, oh, that's just asada fries. No, this woman cuts her potatoes and her asada and makes everything, including the sauce, from you know, scratch ingredients, and it's mm-hmm. mind blowing. Honestly, oh, I know that sounds. I'm getting hungry. I and that eat sounds it every day. It's a problem. <laughs> it's a problem. Now you're a you're a, a barn owner. What's your favorite cocktail that you've uh, of all the places? What's been like your favorite cocktail that you guys have crafted or that you throughout the years? Um, you know, so Grace runs the the bar program here, and. To be very honest with you, I have no idea what's even in it, but it's called <laughs> Mi Barrio, and it's here at Nativo. It comes with a little paleta that you can enjoy as your oh, life dessert. Oh, that's dope. It is so good. Mm-hmm. So good. Like, warm, boozy flavors with that little bit of extra tahin, like, spiciness, and then end it with that paleta. It's magical. That sounds amazing. It is. And my favorite beer... Uh-huh. At Chela's. I know this wasn't your question. <laughs> oh, no. We're going to keep going. Please. Show me what's up. It's uh, from a brewery in Colima. Ooh. Called Cerveceria de Colima. And it's a Colimita. And um, if someone comes back here, I'm going to order you one. <laughs> but it's a nice, light, crisp Mexican lager mm. um, that's just really pure to its ingredients. You know, you you get folks who still come into Chela's asking for Modelo. And it's really cool to be like, well, I don't have that, but I can offer you this really That's made awesome in Mexico. Beer. Yeah. Nah, by some faceless kung fucking glomerate. Like, like totally. someone made this beer. And it tastes amazing. Ugh. So those are my top two. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my my dad teases me because when I go to Mexico, I'm very basic. My mom, my dad likes the school bus, you know, the tequila with squirt and the mineral water. I can't do that shit. I, I like I like tequila and Mexican Coke, a, a charro negro. Oh, it's my yeah. favorite fucking you drink. You know, when I first started with charro negro, I was like, what is that? And then I thought it was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> so I was like, what is that? See what buzzed me out. Okay, so I went to Chicago right before COVID happened, and um, my girlfriend was like. There's a cool Mexican spot, and I'm already like, Mexican spot in Chicago? <sighs> all right, all right, all right, <laughs> let, let's go, let's go. And I'm not going to name the place because I'm not talking shit. But I wasn't impressed, right? And I was like, uh-huh. all right, like, let me get, like, and the guy came up to me and goes, oh, and he gives me, like, you know, hola, como esta, da, da. I'm like, oh, can I get, uh, let me get a charro negro. He goes, oh, uh, what, what's that? I was like, oh, <laughs> come on, bro. Come on, man. And it bummed me out. I'm like, a tequila and coke. He goes, oh, okay. <laughs> But it doesn't taste the same here. Something's different about the Coca-Cola in Mexico. I feel oh, like it's 100%, sweeter, right? 100%. Yeah, and the thing is where my parents are from, from Suatlan, um, they're famous for sugar cane. And there's a Coca-Cola factory uh-huh. in the town. That's, oh, that, that's how my so grandma makes her the money. So, yeah, like I, I go to the little the restaurant. And like something I love about Mexican restaurants, um, uh-huh. and I kind of get that vibe here. It's There's some restaurants here in America that are like, yeah, they're cool. There's like a vibe. But in Mexico, the restaurants are a totally different fucking vibe. Yes. But I just feel relaxed. Oh, they come in with tostadas, fucking yeah. ceviche. I don't even ask for it. Here's some pepinos. Here's some jicama. Oh, yeah. You yeah. want a drink? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. They make their drink fucking strong yeah yeah it's true I, I remember that it was just like mind blown that every drink came with a snack and I was like how are you guys all doing this like I, I've had like munchies with every cocktail right. you bring out and I'm like I just wanted a drink but <laughs> fuck I guess I'm eating now you know 
it's genius though. Yeah, it really I mean, is you, though. You get really comfortable and then you know, mm-hmm. it's been eight hours and you're still sitting there <laughs> <laughs> When you go to like other when you go to Mexico or when you go to these like restaurants, like when you do your research, like what do you look for? Do you look for that kind of like the vibe, totally. food? Like what what do you look for when you go to a spot like that? Just like for research, for example. Um so it's it's really interesting because I know I am my own market. Like, what is it that I, as a female uh, traveler who enjoys a good cocktail and a beer and food, look for? So I am drawn to places that have an ambiance. What's the music like? How mm-hmm. do I feel in that space? What's the service like? What kind of cocktails are they serving? Um, what's the food like? And it could be the most basic meal, but the presentation goes a long way, so too. Important. You know what I mean? So um, those are the things I look for. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the overall experience. Right. And is it memorable when I leave? You <laughs> True. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important. Like when I, I think of like my favorite little th- people asking, what your, what's your favorite taqueria or whatever? And mm. there are a few really good spots. I, I think of like Rambo's Tacos out in by Baldwin Park. Um, I don't see. And the thing is, L.A. Taco is so cool for that. Cause they, have, they list all the really cool know, little hidden say. spots in L.A. I love L.A. Tacos. But Shout see, out L.A. Taco. Yeah, L.A. Taco. <laughs> I love those guys. But, you know, when I like think of my favorite taqueria and it's minimal, I think of Mexico. I think of being in this dude's driveway and he's like has a little TV and it's him and his wife are cooking everything together oh, yeah. and uh, have a little radio with some mariachi playing or something. And like I'm there. To, my mom is there talking shit with them. She's known them since they were kids. And I'm sitting there eating, gorging my tacos. And the guy's like, I'm like, don't worry, don't worry about me. I'll be fine, mister. All right. that's the thing though too like i mean it's again the experience that you had it could be just a very basic Mm -hmm. uh driveway you're sitting in but was the service good was the food on point and you know did you feel good there and you're gonna go back Mm because that experience that you had i think that goes a long right what's your take on um the idea like do you believe uh mexican food are just like our Food, should it be kind of regulated to being cheap? Because you think like people, some people kind of go to these restaurants and think like, oh, well, it's a Mexican spot, but it's expensive, mm-hmm. right? Is that mm-hmm. something that you've kind of... It makes me sad that people think like that because there's so much richness and right. culture and history behind something as simple as a taco. You know what I mean? Um, there's so much work that goes on in the kitchen, the hands that produce it, and... The ingredients too. Like, if you want the best ingredients, it's going to be expensive. Yeah. So, if if you're looking for quality and you're you want to enjoy good food, you know, here we even cared about the tortilla being uh, non-GMO, organic, and teaming up with a responsible vendor like Kernel of Truth to produce that tortilla. Um, I, I think it's really sad that people have this idea that Mexican food needs to be cheap mm-hmm. because it's not. It's very rich in history and flavor and production in itself. Yeah, there's so much that goes with it. But I would tell my friends I've never been there and I'm like, oh, yeah, I want this really nice Mexican restaurant. I'm like, there are nice restaurants of it? Yeah, they, they expect like, <laughs> <laughs> they said everything is just taquerias. I, I'm and like, you know and a lot of it is, but I feel like there's so many really good uh, restaurants in Mexico that, cares so much about quality and yeah you pay a little bit more but 
who says that, you know, Mexican food has to be cheap? And that's what I love about Mexico is it's a diversity of uh, venues and food that you're going to find out there. And so for us, it was really important that representation that uh, Mexican food can look like this. A Mexican restaurant can't fill this space. Like mm -hmm. we we deserve to have a spot, you know, in Highland Park, which is historically Latinx continues to be Latinx and for someone like my husband who was born and raised in this neighborhood um, having gone through the trials and tribulations and the hard times with the neighborhood mm -hmm. um, it's just a moment of standing back and feeling proud about we created the space for the neighborhood for the OGs for the new folks um, to all come in and enjoy a little piece of his home and yeah, a little in Guadalajara and in Highland Park, and yeah. this is what it's about. This is, this is uh, like who we are. I don't know if that makes sense. No, but. no, that actually makes <laughs> perfect sense. I, and I think that's uh, what separates you. Like I told you earlier, when I, when I heard about you guys, I, at first I was a little skeptical. I was thinking, nah, you know, Mexican-looking spot, like, you know, who owns it, right? And then I started seeing, uh, started seeing you. I followed you online. And just the work that you and your husband have really put to like really have places like for people like me that were raised here. And, you know, yeah, we weren't raised in Mexico. So there's a lot, there's a little disconnect there. But for someone like me, if someone says, hey, man, I want to have a good Mexican food spot or just yeah. like a good like that experience, like where would I go? I'd say go to Nativo. I love go that. to Go I'm to fucking Chelas because that. that's, that's it's so important, I think, because there are people uh, Latinx that are growing up and they're not in touch with this culture. And sometimes this is their yeah. avenue for that. And I love that you said that because there's a saying in Spanish that goes, ni de aquí, ni de allá. Yeah. And what that means is not fully from here, not fully from there. And I think that um, I share that experience with you where my parents are immigrants. Um, I was born here, mm -hmm. but I grew up with the blessing of being able to visit my family in Mexico and coming back. So yeah. it was just kind of like, experiencing both sides of the border but i never fully felt like i belonged in either one right so i feel like our spaces create uh this kind of like the existence of who we are mm -hmm. you know a little bit of mexico a little bit of urban la you know what i mean yeah. and then just kind of you feel validated walking in here like yes. oh this is familiar and not only that, it's successful. Like to see that it's actually doing well, and that there is space for us. Because it's a community that's been overlooked for so long. It's like we wanted our space, we needed our space, we deserved our space. And right. Here it is. You know, and yeah, it's. I feel emotionally moved right now because it <laughs> it really is important. And I and I you know for years I scoffed at that idea like representation matters. I'm like, God, oh, what does that matter? But it really does because now. As a Mexican American, just like you, my parents were born over there. They came here, you know, brought me here. And I, it's always that, I forget which movie, it might have been Selena, where they talk about yes. being a Mexican American, right? <laughs> it's like you have to be more Mexican than the Mexicans, True. but you also have to be like an American for the Americans. And we're stuck in the spot where it's our culture, but sometimes, unfortunately, it makes us feel like it's not ours. Totally. It's like, fuck you, this is mine. Just because I was raised here yeah. doesn't mean. I don't embrace and love the culture that I'm from. It's you know true. what I mean? And then, like, someone like me has an accent in English and Spanish. So uh, <laughs> see, <laughs> <laughs> see, and, I, and, and for me, it's bad because I speak good English, but my Spanish could tell you that dude was raised in America. He can tell. <laughs> Barely roll my R's, you know. Uh, but you know what you what you've done here is a is a is a good thing. 
And Thank I'm very, you. very happy and proud that this is in, in, in my city, in our Yay. city. You know? Thank you. Um, we're going to start winding down here. But before uh, I let you go, um, you know, like you said earlier, uh, there is a safe space for people out there. What do you say to people out there that are on the struggle, that are, that are, you know, we're just seeing the light at the end of the tunnel on this thing? What do you say to those folks? I'm right there with you. Um, you know, taking care of your mental health is everything. If you need that time out, take that time out. If you need yes. to cry, cry. But know that there's a community supporting you that's cheering you on, that wants to see you win, and and really just. Don't stay down too long. Bounce right back up and keep pushing through this. Um, inspire, find that inspiration. Right. Whether it's your kids, whether it's your parents' story, whether it's your own damn self, whatever it is, just focus on that and keep pushing through this. Right, because it does get better, folks. It does. Now, again, Carissa, thank you so much. Before I let her go, I'm going to say this. She's been the most well-dressed guest I've ever had. <laughs> She has the fucking Las Botas, fucking the fierce-ass Botas. She has her fucking Guadalupe earrings. She, gotta say, well done. Stop it. <laughs> this has been one of the better interviews I've done. Thank you so much oh, for taking the time with me. That means a lot to me, and thank you for including me. I, it's been an honor, and I look forward to listening to the episode myself. Oh, it's going to be... I, I, I think I think we're going to break some ceilings with this one. Um, so thank you guys so much for uh, checking up on the Hop Show this week. Uh, until next week, my friends, from Carissa and myself, cheers. Salute. And that was it. Thank you so much to Carissa. Um, and the folks at Nativo for um, being such wonderful hosts. If you ever get a chance to check out their food, get the taco platter uh, and get their tequila because it's fucking amazing. Um, And of course, once again, um, be nice, you fucks. Be nice to each other, would you? The the world's hard enough as it is. You you know, don't be a dick. That's it. So, uh, until next week, hopefully... Things brighten up a little bit. Take care, everybody.